Hello you gorgeous people, it's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 129 today. And by golly gosh, sound like a uh, Rat Pack Christmas soundtrack. Betcha by golly gosh, it's brass monkeys out there. I mean, and if anybody's watched my little Instagram video that I pop up, I mean, first of all, I have to say this. My, my dear sister happened to comment that I look a little bit like Tommy Brock. Now, Tommy Brock's some cartoon character who basically looks like the badger equivalent of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, okay, did I go to posture school? No. Am I quite tall? Do I have a very long back? Yes. Do I squat over sometimes? Yes. I was trying to get the fall autumn foliage behind me in the camera shot. That's what I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to look like some uh, slightly hunched over um, badger. I mean, that's not my that, that's not my look. I mean, first of all, Tommy Brock looks like he's had one too many chocolate-covered berries, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, he's a rather sort of rotund badger. I mean, he is the sort of fella, he, he's definitely escaped any sort of cull, and he's living high on the hog in the forest somewhere, and he's sort of dressed in tweed. I, I guess that's part of it as well. Not many people wear the tweed hat anymore, the tweed cap. So she thinks that I look like some uh, hunched-over badger, basically. But, as I said, trying to get all the illuminating colours of the autumn for you, the Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese listener. It's the pain I bring you. you know, every podcast, when I'm trying to get the angles in there, just to show you the reds, the yellows, the golds, all of the wide, mirage, beautiful pictures that you can see in the autumn. And that's what I was trying to do. So, my dear sister, you can just sort of bugger off on this one, basically. On the whole Tommy Brock thing. And I think she tells my uh, my nephews the same thing. That, you know, Uncle Chappie is, a, is basically some hunched over badger who likes to wear tweed. And he's a little surly as well. I'm not surly. I'm, I'm, I'm like full of the joys of spring. Or full of the joys of a... Uh, ebullient autumn day which it is today but it's cold it's very very cold and what I was trying to bring to you on that sort of early video this morning was does anybody try soup for breakfast is anybody into a little, little soupçon for breakfast because you know why don't we reverse the meals of the day. Why don't we start having soup for breakfast? You need something warming. I mean, porridge does it for you. But what happens if you want a bit of a soup? You want a bit of a spicy soup or a little bit of broth, beef broth for breakfast? Why not? It's being able to find a spot for the thermos flask is a problem. I mean, how did people carry these thermos flasks around? I mean, my grandfather used to enjoy... Um, uh, you know, basically, when there was any sort of pheasant shoot or whatever, he did the beating. So basically, um, he would stir the foliage and the leaves and the and the and the, and the bushes 
to get you know the pheasants to come up and he always had a thermos flask with him so now i mean where do you put this do you need a backpack i mean they're not very in our sort of minimalist society do we have room for thermos flasks anymore and you know we have hand warmers and stuff like that i give to you if you have longish pockets you could have a thermos flask in each pocket and it could warm the thighs i mean it could be absolutely fantastic so i think we should use thermos flasks these days to possibly warm the thighs but you need long pockets you know and i, I think my pockets are fairly short never measured them but i don't think i could fit a very tall thermos flask into my pockets so anyway this is the essence of keep calm and cauliflower cheese is basically some rambling deranged british butler uh talking about a little whimsy nostalgia uh, you know piecing my life together in america um stumbling fumbling being quite clumsy but in a fairly endearing eccentric manner and, and that's sort of the nature of this podcast basically so you know you're very welcome to join me i mean there's a 128 editions before this so you know anybody who's listened right from the beginning probably is getting a little bit bored by now by my nonsensical mutterings and utterings every week but i i don't know we're getting getting more and more listeners I, i think we get more listeners in the autumn autumn is our time people we need to grasp the leaves of autumn and take them we need to take this season because this is when people like the warming tones of, as I said, the slightly eccentric British butler. Um, they, 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 they like to sip their soup. They like to see the foliage fall around them and listen to the multi-co- multi-contrasting colors of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. We're not just a pale soup. There's much more richness and a spectrum of colors around us. So we had National James Bond Day uh, last week. Um, yesterday would, would have been Roger Moore's 94th birthday. And, you know, lots of people commenting on the best Bonds and trying to weigh a Bond. I mean, they're all good in their own way. But uh, as I said in a little um, response to a post, uh, Roger Moore was my Bond. Uh, I like the tongue-in-cheek, I like the English gentleman, I like the nod-nod, wink-wink, all of that, uh, and a certain elegance is how I want my bond. I think Fleming wanted that as well. I mean, Fleming's choice was David Niven, uh, but it would have been Roger Moore's 94th birthday. Um, Reading last week, I mean, I collect all these articles. It's like a jumble sale of news stories that I collect for this podcast, you know, talking points for the podcast. Things I can ramble on about. But Roger Moore's feisty third wife died um, uh, like a f- couple of weeks ago. He had a very interesting set of relationships. I mean, he uh, married a much older woman initially. Um, you know, wasn't the best behaved chap all, all along the way over the years. But a uh, very interesting um, uh, story about his relationship. So we may be talking about that today. Roger Moore's feisty third wife. I mean, you'd think you, if you have a feisty thir- first wife, a feisty second wife, maybe you go for somebody a little bit more uh, 
serene for the third wife, potentially. Uh, and then Boris Johnson uh, caught jogging again, but basically jogging just a few yards from his car into a hotel, just for a little bit of a photo shoot again. I mean, that's my... Boris has my uh, my sort of interest in, the, in exercise, I think. Very minimal, very showy. Everybody can see you doing it. But, you know, to be honest, the exercise you're doing isn't particularly extensive. A Thai fisherman finds 66-pound lump of whale vomit. I thought we'd talk about this before, the whale grease. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's one of the stories we'll be talking about today. Wandering dog in uh, Istanbul commuter's best friend. Why you should eat Popeye. Uh, eat not eat Popeye. Eat like Popeye. I mean, if you eat like, I mean, if you ate Popeye, I think Popeye would be a little bit sinewy, wouldn't he? You know, yeah, you don't want any of that. Uh, you don't want any of that going on. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, and also you couldn't digest the pipe if you did swallowed Popeye's pipe accidentally. You know, it could be a problem. Uh, but eat eat more spinach. I feel that Ardo. So we'll be talking about that as well. Uh, something about badges today. You know, I'm, I missed Tommy Brock and uh, you know at the top of the show here. Um, but a badger stands on his hind legs to eat buffet leftovers off garden table. Now I imagine Tommy Brock would be the one to stand on his hind legs. I don't think Tommy could stand on his hind legs. A little bit like me probably. But you know, if there were food on a picnic table, I would try to stand on my hind legs. Um, people fart and burp more when they're depressed, apparently, as well. A new species of uh, tardigrade, or tardigrade. What a name for a what a name for an ancient animal. A, a tardigrade. I know a lot of people who could be called tardigrades. I mean, just few, just because of tardiness. I mean, people are much later these days, don't you think? Much, much, much later these days. Um, also, we didn't talk about vasectomy day. Uh, you may be shooting happy. There was a very happy vasectomy day. How can a vasectomy day be happy? I mean, it's like the most painful thing for a man to go through other than kidney stones and those who give birth. Yeah, chaps out there giving birth. But a couple of weeks ago, there was a vasectomy day. Uh, you may be shooting blanks, but you'll still have the perfect aim. Um, so uh, we talked about uh, garlic last week. We had uh, uh, Tommy Grower. Um, or Percy Grower, sorry, talking about planting garlic last week. Um, we had a full, a full quota of nonsense last week. Um, we talked about millennials breaking up uh, with avocado as well. Uh, we didn't talk about the late night visitor ringing woman's doorbell, who turns out to be a slug. Uh, we didn't talk about the Irish hell case where Halloween was born. Um, I mean, Halloween's coming up very, very soon, and we have a little article on uh, on that as well um, today on the podcast. Um, but we, I did have a rather wondrous, very romantic um, Uber driver the other day. I mean, he wasn't trying to romance me, but he is trying to sell me on the wonder of Andrea Bocelli. I mean, this guy was obsessed with Andrea Bocelli. I mean, much like uh, we had back in the day, people putting pictures of Cindy Crawford, you know, at my school. I would never do this. Cindy Crawford scattered all over the uh, imposters across the bedrooms. And also the, the young lady who had an itchy bottom, the tennis player, 
probably know the picture I mean. But that, you know, those young chaps have the obsession. This chap has an obsession about Andre Bocelli. Beautiful old Italian gentleman who, uh, who, who gave me an Uber ride the other day. And um, selling me on Andre Bocelli. Uh, let me know if you're going to use the teeth flask to warm your thighs. The uh, thermos flask. Uh, dogs are great feet warmers as well. Um, how you can still be cramped in seats even though you have short legs. Uh, I think we may have a new feature, Tudor of the Week. I've, I've seen in the British magazine. I think we may have our Tudor of the Week. Uh, also, my uh, distaste and annoyance with Halloween lights. Uh, the American pronunciation of uh, croissant. Uh, Conquer Championships. Uh, again, my hatred of Crocs. Now, apparently people are sticking gibbets in there. Uh, weighted blankets. The paranoia of eating uh, pickle, especially Brandiston pickle. And uh, also how I use the phrase, good luck in your future endeavours yesterday. <laughs> Which I've always wanted to do that. So, it really is a fun-packed uh, show today. Uh, lots of nonsense. There will be a trample trombone. Lots of eccentricity running through the vein of the show. So a little bit about Roger Moore's troubled love life. Um, and it, recently, as I said, his uh, feisty third wife died. Uh, Roger Moore's children were thrilled to see the long awaited release of the new James Bond film a couple of weeks ago. But just days after the Glittering World premiere, they were coping with devastating news. Uh, Luisa Mattioli died at the age of 85. Uh, the Italian actress was 007 star's uh, third wife. Um, in an announcement, uh, Jeffrey Moore said, sadly confirmed, this is the case that uh, Louisa died. Uh, one of the family friends, Louisa, was very ill for some time. Uh, she had a pretty acrimonious split from Roger, but they reconciled just before his death in 2017. Uh, Roger left Mattioli for her best friend, Swedish-born Danish socialite Kiki Tholstrup. Oh, dear, dear, dear. He would never, should never do that. Mattioli won a huge £10 million uh, settlement in their divorce. She wrote in her memoirs, Nothing Lasts Forever, how she felt betrayed by Falstrup and discarded by Moore. Uh, Moore's children, Mattioli, were Jeffrey, Deborah, Christian. Uh, the start of Mattioli's romance with Roger Moore was explosive as the end, when his second wife, Dorothy Squires, learned about the affair with Mattioli, which began when they're filming Romulus and the Sabines in Italy in 1961. The Welsh singer smashed a guitar over his head. Moore said she threw a brick through my window. She reached through the glass and grabbed my shirt and it cut my arms doing it. The police came and they said, Madam, you're bleeding. It's my heart that's bleeding. Squires refused to accept their separation and sued Moore for the loss of conjugal rights, but Moore refused the court order to return to Squires in 28 days. She unsuccessfully sued Kenneth Moore for libel as the actor had introduced Moore and Mattioli at a charity event. So she... Squires tried to sue the gentleman who introduced Louisa Mattioli to Roger Moore uh, and, and obviously the affair started. I mean, I don't think you would have... I think, I think the courts would give very short shrift for um, a gentleman introducing a, a lady to another gentleman and then that, consequently that gentleman has an affair. That, I don't think, would work very well. But anyway, one of the interesting things about Louisa Mattioli, though, is... She did not like Roger Moore kissing his co-stars. Now, if you're going to be James Bond, 
isn't that one of the essential elements? We meet beautiful people for our lives. Uh, sometimes these people stick around and are tr true influences on our lives. And sometimes it's like a fleeting moment. It's like a beautiful uh, sunny morning and a sunrise that's fleeting and is memorable, but we're never going to see them again. And met this chap the other day, Uber driver, probably 80 years old, maybe in his late 70s. Italian, little guy, and again, you know, had a penchant for the, the, the flat tweed cap. And um, just had a sort of whimsical, beautiful nature to him. Obviously had a very rich life, came over uh, from Florence like 35 years ago, something along those lines. And he had a passion, and passions are very, very important in life, I think. So this podcast is maybe one of my passions. But he, his passion was the opera singer Andrea Bocelli. Now, Bocelli is an interesting fellow, obviously blind, beautiful voice. But this guy had an absolute obsession with Andrea Bocelli. I mean, obviously he listens to uh, Bocelli every day, all through the day, whilst he's, uh, whilst he's driving the Uber. And he was trying to sell me the, uh, the delightful nature of, of Bocelli, the Italian tenor. And I don't know much about Bocelli, I have to say. But he was quoting to me some very interesting quotes from Bocelli. And uh, I was trying to sort of make a note of these as I went away. And they were almost like word perfect. So I was trying to take notes. And I thought, I have to talk about this Uber driver. He's like inspirational. You know, super nice guy. Uh, ran out of... Uh, almost ran out of gas, I had to stop and have gas. I had a little bit of extra time with him than, than one would normally have. And I mean, one of the quotes was, because in opera, I have to sing for people that are very far from me. Instead of when I sing a song, I try to imagine to sing like a ear of a child. A love song must respect the canons of music beauty entering the fibers of those who are listening. It must make them dream and pleasantly introduce them to the universe of love. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, this, this, <laughs> not only was the uh, Bocelli's that have been inspirational, obviously, anybody who, uh, who struggles against adversity, obviously being blind is huge in that, in that respect, and then has this creative talent that is overriding and, and, and majestical. This is interesting as well, because I think this guy, the, the, the Uber driver, was a, the gentlest, gentlest of gentlemen. And uh, he, he said this about Bocelli. I don't like being called macho. Macho, or macho, basically means stupid. And real Italian men are not macho. He's smart, 
that's smart in both senses, elegant and indeed clever. So I was basically sold on, on Bocelli. I think I have a new appreciation that I never had before uh, about, uh, about Andre Bocelli. So I think passionate people instill passion in other people. And because this guy had a passion for this rather wondrous opera singer, I actually do quite like opera as well. Uh, love Maria Callas, uh, love the three tenors. Um, but as I said, didn't know about Bocelli. So now I have an interest in exploring Bocelli. And on the musical edition of the podcast, you will have some Andre Bocelli next. If you don't listen to the musical edition of the podcast, then do some searching around for Bocelli. But this is my favorite quote. So this little Italian uh, Uber driver, this is the best quote. And I just made a note. It said Bocelli and boxing. I thought, well, I couldn't even remember the quote after he said it. But it stuck by me. So I looked up Bocelli and boxing. And this is what Bocelli said. I like very much to ride horses. I like soccer. And I have had a passion for boxing since I was a child. Although it would be stupid for me to box. So a fisherman couldn't believe his luck after finding a lump of whale vomit floating off a beach in southern Thailand could be worth nearly a million dollars. Narong Fetitraj, who usually earns $200 a month from fishing, was returning to shore when he saw a strange object being pushed by currents by Nayam Beach in Surat Thani province. Upon closer inspection, he realized that the mass had the same waxy texture and appearance as whale vomit, so he dragged it away from the beach, believing his find could be worth some money. Uh, Fetcheraj later took the object to experts at the Princess Songla University to have it tested, and it was genuine ambergris. With a weight of 66 pounds, the fisherman find could be as much as one million dollars based on the previous price of whale vomit that sold for more than $35,000 per kilogram before. So anyway, Omber Grease, also referred as whale vomit, has a grey amber as a solid waxy flammable highly valuable substance produced in the digestive system of sperm whales. It is used by perfumers as a fixative, something that equalizes vapor pressures and thus uh, volatilities of the raw materials in a perfume oil as well as to increase the tenacity of the scent. So, anyway, if you if you are hunting for, I mean, God, I wish they could, uh, I wish they could, I know people go excavating all the time with metal detectors. Just imagine if you had like a whale vomit detector. If you develop one. If James Dyson developed a whale vomit detector. I mean, he would, I mean, not that Dyson ever needs any any help making money uh but you know what that could be the next thing so you're you budding uh inventors out there start putting together this whale vomit because there must be some you know ph standards that you test the acidity and i'm sure the whale vomit has a specific acidity i mean now if dog vomit was worth a million i would be a multi-millionaire at this this time but anyway all you budding inventors, whale vomit detector. But anyway, so none of the villagers in Thailand had ever seen or touched real whale ambergris before. 
That's why everybody was happy. He kept the whale vomit wrapped in a towel for safety and hidden in a cardboard box, informing the relatives about the discovery. Before the ambergris was tested at the university, he examined the object first at home, imitating what he had seen on the news about the whale vomit. Burning pieces of the lump seemed to confirm that the substance was indeed ambergris as it quickly melted. I'm so excited. I don't know what I'm going to do. I plan to sell the ambergris as I already received a certificate to prove it's real. Just imagine if his wife or something lifted up the towel and started, you know, toweling a damp hair or something and the ambergris went, you know, fell onto the floor and uh, it could be used. <laughs> I mean... That's like a lottery ticket going missing. So we have a regular feature coming up on the show. Uh, a new regular feature. It's Tudor of the Week. And Tudor of the Week this week is Lord Robert Dudley. So Dudley had a passionate affair with Elizabeth I. Uh, Melita Thomas of Tudor Times explores why the Queen didn't marry him and what happened in the relationship. So Robert Dudley was the love of Elizabeth I's life. Although the relationship probably wasn't consummated physically, it was the closest she ever came to an affair. And like many lovers, they evolved uh, with tempestuous passion marked by violent quarrels and love and reconciliation to the comfortable companionship of a long-established couple. While Elizabeth's other suitors and courtiers played the game of courtly love, praising her extravagantly, likening her to a goddess and affecting to worship her, Robert's letters, although effusive, have a level of sincerity and genuine affection behind them that can still be felt. Robert's father, John, climbed the greasy pole of the Tudor court to become Lord Admiral and Privy Council under Henry VIII, and then the most powerful man in the country as Lord President of the Council and Duke of Northumberland in the reign of Edward VI. Uh, in 1549, Robert accompanied his father to Norfolk to suppress the Ketz Rebellion after the culminating Battle of Mouseland Heath and visited Sir John Rosebart, a, a Norfolk landowner, within 18 months. Robert had married Sir John's daughter, Amy, in a lavish wedding at court. Amy, although wealthy, was not one of the aristocratic backgrounds of the spouses of Robert's siblings, so it's likely that there was an element of personal attraction in the arrangement. The most aristocratic marriage of all, though, was arranged for Robert's younger brother with the king's cousin, Lady Jane Grey. Jane, like the Dudleys and King Edward, was a radical Protestant and then became apparent that when Edward was dying, a scheme was developed to put Jane on the throne instead of Edward's Catholic half-sister, Mary. But one of the interesting things was a terrible accident. Within weeks, rumours were circulating uh, Robert and Elizabeth were lovers. They were everywhere together, dancing, laughing, hunting, and physically affectionate. Elizabeth's counsellors, led by Sir William Cecil, were poor. The Queen must marry, but with European prince, and want a wife. Who would want a wife who was shamelessly flirting? If nothing more, with the son of an executed traitor, and a married man at that. They remonstrated with her, but to no avail. Stories spread that, stories spread that Amy, his wife, was very, very ill and sick. Robert was sowing the expectation of her death that Elizabeth had a child by Robert and the two were planning to poison Amy and so forth. Then the shocking news that Amy had died, the fall down the stairs. Elizabeth immediately banished Robert until an inquest could establish the truth. The verdict was accidental death, but the cloud hung over Robert for the rest of his life. Elizabeth resumed her flirtation with him and whenever she wanted to fend off foreign suitors, she would Prayed her affection for Robert publicly, 
but she could never marry him, the son of a traitor, with a wife dead and in suspicious circumstances. Elizabeth's love for Robert survived even these many acts of disobedience, and she was glad to recall him to her side when it proved that he did not have either the political or military capability to defeat the Spanish in the Spanish Wars. With the Spanish planning an invasion, Robert was appointed Lieutenant Governor of the Queen's forces. He held a horse as she made a famous speech to the troops at Trailbury, and they celebrated the defeat of the Armada together. Elizabeth's joy was short-lived. Robert was in failing health. On a trip to Buxton, he died en route. Elizabeth treasured his final letter to her, marking it his last letter in her own handwriting and keeping it in a casket by a bed for the rest of her life, the last memento of an enduring love. Apparently, you should eat like Popeye, iron-heavy diets packed full of spinach and mushrooms, cut the risk of heart disease by a quarter. Studies do suggest uh, they, following a Popeye diet of plenty of green vegetables, slashes the risk of heart disease by a quarter. A study found if people increase their intake of iron-rich foods, it could prevent hundreds and thousands of heart disease uh, cases around the world. They urge adults to intake uh, foods rich in iron, such as red meat, spinach, mushrooms, tofu, lentils, to slash the likelihood of heart attacks. Rich foods and vitamin C, broccoli, peppers and fruits also help the body absorb iron, a mineral which is vital in making red blood cells which carry oxygen around the body. It made me think, uh, we've all learned information, um, all those vegetables eating, all that vegetable intake, uh, is flatulence a sign that you've got the blues? Depressed people are more likely to break wind, feel bloated and suffer from other stomach troubles. Uh, or you could be eating a lot of uh, healthy vegetables trying to avoid heart disease. Uh, study found people with more gas are likely to feel depressed or anxious. The UK trumps the US with uh, Brits breaking wind 6% more than Americans apparently. How do you measure this? What device do you use to measure it? And I don't want to be anywhere near it. Mexico blew the doors off the competition, though, reporting the most gas per person. Breaking wind, burping, and feeling bloated could be a sign of poor mental health, a global uh, study does uh, indeed suggest. They quizzed 6,000 people in the UK, US, Mexico about their issues over 24 hours, as well as their mental health over the past week. Breaking wind was the most common complaint, with 81% of adults reporting that they'd let at least one rip once a day. The average person farts 5 to 15 times a day, according to the National Health Service. Who is funding these studies? Who is funding the farting? Um, it was followed by stomach rumbling, 60%, uh, belching, 58%, and bad breath, 48%. Oh, how delicious. Other common symptoms include trap wind, 47%, a swollen tummy, 40%, 40% and bloating, 38%. On uh, average, volunteers were affected by three gas issues within the 24-hour period, with only 11% reporting no gas at all. I mean, people aren't going to be honest about this, are they? In addition to gas, survey participants are also asking about their mental health. Uh, let's use the gas meter to uh, determine flatulent levels and uh, mental health. I mean, surely you feel better after letting rip, I suppose. The scientists noted that more gassy people tended to report high levels of stress, anxiety, and indeed depression. Feeling embarrassed about the whole situation. This could also mean poor mental health was causing the gassy problems, or the reverse. It's like a vicious farting cycle. People's embarrassment or worries about the gas are impacting their mental well being. Anxiety, nerves, and depression are all known to impact their digestive systems and can result in stomach cramps, diarrhea, constipation, loss of appetite. Um, sounds like Pepto Bismol. Stomach cramps, diarrhea, constipation, loss of appetite. Uh, by 
country, Mexico was the most full of hot air, reporting the highest number of symptoms. Well, if you eat a huge burrito, then that's generally what happens. Um, lots of rice. It's the beans. It's the beans, people. It's the beans. The UK trumped the US in terms of flatulence with 83% of Britain's breaking wind compared to more modest 76%. Cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower are all... All the, all the elements are there. Mexico, Mexico took the prize for most flatulent of the three nations, however, uh, with 85%. Uh, the UK and US were mostly neck and neck in gassy behavior. Gosh, the sci- I wonder if the scientists survived this test. The ones who did the test, are they still alive? Britons reported slightly more stomach rumbling, Americans belching more, and also more likely to have bad breath. I mean, we've got Wrigley Spearmint Gum. Come on. The study was conducted by scientists from the Rome Institute in the U.S. Uh, with the uh, nutrition research in France. I mean, come on, garlic breath in France. Let's test the French for their garlic breath. They must have the stinkiest breath of the garlic. Who knows? Cultural, linguistic, diet or public health factors might affect population levels of gas-related symptoms. Oh, what a stench. I mean, you're just going to have to carry on at your own convenience. There is lots of new music out at the moment. So Adele, they're very svelte Adele these days. Uh, looking looking great. Released a new track. Uh, she got a new album coming out, 30. So I never understand Adele's albums. She releases the albums with the age that she was three years after the album. The album comes out and it's the age she was three years ago before that. So no, don't even understand that. But the track is easy on me. It's actually quite good. I like Adele. Uh, And uh, I mean, she is quite intimidating. I mean, just generally. But when it comes to releasing music, nobody wants to release music on the same day. Uh, Not albums anyway. But easy on me. So I think easy in music, the term easy, the word easy, is a lazy word. Because it's easy like Sunday morning. Commodores, Faith No More, uh, Take It Easy, you've got Eagles. I mean, easy is too easier of a word to use in a song title. It's a lazy word. But I have to say this. Adele's song, Easy On Me, is by far and away not an easy It's a beautiful song. And it, again, it's like when you first hear a song, do you like it or you don't? It does it become an earworm? It's actually a very classy song. And then Coldplay release their album today, their new album. So you've got Coldplay releasing music today as well. Music of the Sirs. But if you look at the album, it's basically scattered with emojis and symbols. So, you know, you you think, oh, wow, it's 12 new songs, 12 new Coldplay songs. Well, no, there's actually only six songs. Really? I mean, you got basically uh, the first song looks like the the, uh, subway on the London Underground symbol. That's number one. So you got, you know, London Underground symbol, number one. And then Higher Power, everybody knows that, Humankind. And then you've got like an asterisk and a star, number four. So you basically got 
Coldplay's album scattered with emojis. But the songs on the album, the six songs that are real, we're not talking about the emojis, bitmojis, whatever you want to call it, are very are, are absolutely delightful. And the last song which we will play on the podcast today, Colatura, is a fantastic, epic song. Nearly 10 minutes. Beautiful piano. Classic Coldplay. So, Adele's new song and Coldplay's album with the finale, Colatura, which is a wondrous, epic masterpiece. Everybody knows my love of cheese. So something that really framed and highlighted and etched beautifully my love of cheese is something I saw on a calendar in the week. Cheddar is often referred to as a grating cheese, but in my experience, it's nothing but pleasant. <laughs> Trumple trombone. A uh, long-running fan theory claims that the hit animated show, uh, The Simpsons, is about to appear in the future after pre- uh, predicted several major events. Now, the uh, Platin Casino wants somebody to look into the well-known phenomenon that The Simpsons has predicted major life events. In the past, the show predicted Donald Trump's presidency, Lady Gaga's Super Bowl performance, an Ebola breakout, the uh, building of the Shard in London, and even uh, important scientific discoveries such as uh, the Higgs boson and donut-shaped universe. Casino bosses are gambling that a close look at the 32-year-old cartoon sitcom will not only help them identify other occasions where the show's writers successfully predicted the future, it also leads to some new predictions about what will happen next. We thought we'd put The Simpsons to the test and see. After analysing every single episode, it could help predict the future. The Simpsons series analyst will watch and analyse all episodes from the 33 seasons along with the Simpsons spin-off movie. They expect the whole job will take about two months and along with £5,000 payday, they're also throwing in a Disney Plus membership and a box of donuts each week. Let's hope that the prediction isn't Homer becomes all woke and starts eating kale. And a woman has shared the wild theory that people never actually die and we instead are transferred to another universe. Jolie, who calls herself a philosophical artist, has thousands of followers on TikTok and she tells some truly mind-boggling conspiracies. One of her recent videos, she explained the quantum immortality theory. She suggests that nobody ever actually dies. If you're going or if you're hoping that the apocalypse is going to bring you the sweet, sweet relief, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, quantum immortality theory suggests that nobody ever dies. Said whenever you die in one universe, your consciousness gets transferred to a parallel universe where you survive. It suggests that people will wake up in another universe with no memory of the fact that they've just survived an apocalypse and the hint to realize it's a new Mandela effect. The effect is a phenomenon that makes us question even the most mundane memories from the past. I mean, she has it all wrong. Doesn't quantum become spectre? And a horde of wild pigs that are known to eat deer 
have somehow invaded a fully fenced national park, leading experts to dub them the most invasive animals on Earth. The beasts have been spotted at Elk Island National Park in Alberta, Canada, and munch on tree roots birds in addition to the park's resident deers. It's been a recurring problem since they escaped from farms uh, in the area in the 1990s, so much of Alberta's government has a wild pig removal program. Uh, Perry Amrenko says that the removal squad that reports of the pigs increasing every year and is unsure whether there's hundreds of thousands of them or even more. I mean, what's next? A goose that eats human fat and livers? Thank you, chaps and chapezzas, for listening to the podcast today. Hopefully it's warmed you up if you're feeling the chill. Vapor rub is beginning to wear off slightly. But as it emanates and... Uh, diffuses a little bit more i can hear coming from my feet the sound of keep calm and cauliflower cheese it's amazing you can absolutely hear it everywhere i mean it's on all platforms as well uh, from spotify apple music on the spotify edition there is a musical emporium butler edition where such things as the color field uh andrea bocelli wings adele coldplay has made uh, an appearance. Uh, but you, if, if you like the audio version, you can listen on all the other platforms. But Spotify does have my own personal playlist that is specially tailored to the edition of the podcast that you're listening to. But there we go. That's been Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode 129. If you've uh, missed any of the subjects I said at the top of the show, or if I didn't mention the topics or talk about some of the topics, they will appear in future uh, future episodes. Don't worry. Don't panic, everybody. Also, be very careful if you're carving pumpkins this weekend. I did find myself, uh, you know, carving a traditional rutabaga or swede uh, this week while I was carving the skin off. Now, as I said on a, a previous a little ditty on Instagram, if you want an ab workout and an arm workout, try peeling a Swede or Wujabaga this weekend. You'll find that your muscle mass and index will increase astronomically. It's a little late, but uh, this poem is called September by Edgar Guest. It's September and the orchards are afire with red and gold and the nights with dew are heavy and the mornings sharp with cold. Now the garden's at its gayest with the saliva blazing red and the good old-fashioned asters laughing at us from our beds. Once again, in shoes and stockings are children's little feet and the dog now does its snoozing on the bright side of the street. It's September and the corn stalks are as high as they'll go and the red cheeks of the apples everywhere begin to show. Now the supper's scarcity our ear the darkness settles down and the moon looms big and yellow at the edges of the town. Oh, it's good to see the children when their little prayers are said, duck beneath the patchwork covers as they tumble into bed. It's September and a calmness and a sweetness seem to fall over everything that's living just as through it hears the call of old winter trudging slowly with its pack of ice and snow in the distance over yonder and somehow seems as though every tiny little blossom wants to look at its very best when the frost shall bite its petals and droops away the wet rest. It's September, the fullness and the ripeness of the year. All the work of earth is finished, all the final tasks are near. 
but there is no doleful wailing every living thing that grows for the end it is approaching where's the finest garb it knows and i pray that i may proudly hold my head up high and smile when i come to september in the golden after while i'll be back again with a podcast we'll have another edition uh, this weekend but until then cheerio for now